This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message. So I want to, my mission this morning is to cause every unbeliever in the house to backslide. Out of unbelief into faith. Because I think, I think faith makes more sense than unbelief. Amen. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to share some stories. I want to stir your faith. And uh, I specifically, I'm trusting that at the end of the service, when I pray with some people and, and really believe that God's going to touch lives, going to break things off our lives and set us free. Amen. Okay, let me just pray for us. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that you are alive and powerful. And we thank you, Lord, for faith to be released in every heart and mind. Lord, I pray we'll break out of that prison that Lynn spoke about. The prison of the ordinary, going through the motions. And yet you call us to break out of that prison and to step into the fullness of Christ. So Lord Jesus, have your way. I pray that everyone here would hear the voice of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for an awakening. Thank you for a stirring. Thank you for your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to, I've shared in the past, I'm going to touch on a few things again. But about a year ago, so I spoke about kingdom culture. And uh, if you build it, if you build a heavenly kingdom culture here on earth, then God will come. And... So I want to share a few things around this. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he, he didn't come to introduce a religion. He came to introduce the kingdom. He preached about the kingdom. You see, but so many Christians, I'd say 80% plus of the Christians in our country are focusing on religion and not on the kingdom. It's a big, it's a huge difference between the two. So, Jesus came and he said, guys, the kingdom, my realm, is at hand. And he stretched forth his hand and he demonstrated the superiority of the kingdom of heaven. He healed people. He set them free from darkness on their souls. He did mighty miracles. He rocked multitudes of lives because his kingdom came. Now, the thing is, like what happened this morning, for, I know for some of this is really outside the box. It's like, oh my soul, what's happening here? You know, these people are actually in, like expecting Jesus to heal. <laughs> now, now, if you come from a religious background, to believe that Jesus heals is incredibly offensive. It's incredible. I've, I've met people just for claiming that Jesus is still healing, says, well, you know, you, that's, that's the devil, man. Must be the devil. I'm like, is God dead? <laughs> no, he's not dead. It's just we've, we have such an unbelieving culture, even in church circles, that the Christians with the unbelieving mindset becomes the persecutors of those who are doing the kingdom. The people who have persecuted me the most are believers, not unbelievers. <laughs> It's crazy. 
It's like they get, we, we get indoctrinated to fight against what is biblical. So I want to share some stories this morning to, to reveal to you the reality of God. The rea- I want to I I cause everybody in the house to backslide from their unbelief. Amen. Because I was there. I mean, I spoke to my sister this last week or so. She lives in Marmersbury in Cape Town. And I shared some of the stories of God has been doing. And she's like, that's a different planet. That's not in our world. In our world, we don't know a God that's powerful. That, that, that's the norm for most. And I believe God wants to break out. He wants to move like we have never seen. I felt last night the Lord said to me, I'm going to take you guys into another dimension. Into another dimension of his kingdom coming on earth. Amen. Hallelujah. So, yeah, so I, mean, I can keep you busy with a whole lot of stories. But I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of this past few weeks of the, the incredible things that God has done. So every story I'm going to share is to stir your faith. Every story I'm going to share is for you to say, Lord, do it again. You know, and I've seen this with the black folk in uh, Cambridge. You know, I was like, man, I need to preach very shortly and we quickly pray for the sick. Otherwise, they're all going to leave because that's what the white people do. <laughs> and to my awesome surprise, I was like, they're staying. They're not storming out. I'm like, God, I know what to do. This is so good. I'm going to drink some water. Let's sing, band. Let's sing. They're staying. And then later we pray for people. I was like, oh, this is good. Okay, anyway, just so you know, all the white people, now you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sharing this because I feel sometimes we are so used to going through the motions, we don't press in to see God move mightily. Oh, you prayed for me. It didn't work. I'm going home. God didn't want to heal me. You know, last week, um, Erlen Moll, he came here, he's a good friend of ours, and uh, he, he, I shared the story on, on video as well. I just want to give you a bit of more context, but uh, about a month ago, he was picking up some heavy poles, and uh, and and they had some helpers, but he thinking, yeah, I'm going to do it myself. You know, he's a 56-year-old thinking he's 25. So he picked up this heavy pole, and he twisted, and then he he. he Messed up his back so badly. So it was a month of hell, a month of excruciating pain. And he went to the chiropractor, spent thousands of rands on the chiropractor. Didn't want to sort it out. He couldn't sleep at night. He couldn't sit. He couldn't tweet. It was a month of hell. So last week, Sunday morning, he comes to church and he, and he says to his wife, I am getting healed today. I believe it. And while we were praying before the service, I felt like the Holy Spirit whispers in my heart. Now you need to understand, because a lot of people, even just hearing God's voice, it's foreign to many of us. It's a gentle whisper on the inside. God comes and lives on the inside of us, and then he whispers, and you have a, you learn to discern that voice. And I heard the voice, I heard this on the inside saying, I'm going to heal backs this morning. Trust me for this. So Nikki was healed, praise God, and some others were touched. Now Erlen came, and a bunch of guys prayed for him, and nothing happened at the end of worship. And he said, actually, the pain got worse. So he went and sat through the sermon dying. He said it was unbelievably painful. So at the end of the service, some people came forward, and I prayed for somebody over here. And then as I was praying for this person, I felt again that voice say to me, pray for Erlen again. 
Now you see, if you want to see God move, you need a pit bull anointing. We pray for you. We pray for you again. We pray for you again. And we taste and we pray for you again until something happens. Until it, unless it takes too long and then we say, okay, it's enough now. <laughs> but, so we prayed for Erlen. But it was interesting because this often that happens when it comes to, to God touching us. We, we build up a block on the inside. In his case, I was praying for him. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you know, he's speaking death over himself. I said, Erlen, are you speaking unbelief over yourself? You're speaking death over yourself. I said, yes, since he injured his back, he's before him the whole month, he's been saying, you stupid, you fool. You should have not been so dumb as trying to pick up this heavy. So he was blaming himself for his back problems. And so I prayed with him and he said, Lord, forgive me for, for, for speaking this over myself. I forgive myself. And I prayed for him. I said, test. And he, he frowned uh, like massively. I'm already like, okay, okay, okay. We'll pray again. And I said, no, the pain's gone. Completely healed. Praise God. Come on, give Jesus a hand for that. Because you, you see, we, we give up too quickly. We prayed. You know, that's how we normally do it. We pray and we definitely don't test and actually ask somebody. We just gently, quietly walk away because we know nothing happened. No, you say, hey, what's happening? Test your body. We give up too soon. Erlen would not have been healed if we didn't pray again. There was, an anno- there was a moment where Jesus was like, I'm going to heal. So we were in, in Stellenbosch or in Somerset West, uh, middle last year, and there was a lady, I think 65, 70 years old, and she told, um, told us, okay, we was on the Saturday, and she said, I need to be healed by Wednesday. Because on Wednesday, my husband's going away, I need to walk to the shop, I can't walk, I have too much pain in my body. So on Saturday, we prayed for her. She felt the power of God touch her, but she wasn't healed. She came Sunday morning, and we prayed for her again, still not healed. She came on Monday evening. We had a leaders meeting. At the end of the meeting, she stayed for 40 minutes, 30, 40 minutes. And around 10 o'clock Monday night, the power of God flooded in. And she was healed, and everybody else that was there, the five of them was over. They were all healed. The most powerful meeting of the whole weekend was Monday night, when only five people were left. But someone stuck in there. It's like, I believe it is God's will to heal me. And God touched her. She was healed on Wednesday. She was walking to the shop, praising Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So the the, the reason I'm sharing these stories is to increase your faith. But I also, I want to give you evidence for the reality of God. In our culture, there's so much unbelief. Even just about, is there really a God? So my grandfather, uh, he was a professor in surgery at the University of Stellenbosch. His, his brother started the Tigerberg Medical Campus. So I have a rich history of medical doctors. But now we just heal in Jesus' name. <laughs> but my, my, my grandfather was not a believer. He was offended with the church because he was offended with religion. You see, religion, or what I call dead religion, offends everybody. It's dry, it's empty, there's no life. He was offended with the church, he was offended about apartheid, he was offended with the church to, at that time. And so he was an evolutionist, he believed only in millions of years, and therefore there is no God. So he had some heart 
challenges. So the one day he was driving from hospital where he worked. He was on his way home. And on his way home, he suddenly had all the symptoms of a heart attack. And he's like, oh, turn around, <laughs> chase back to the emergency ward. And he's driving back and he walks in and says, guys, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they immediately put all the stuff on him. Anyway, so during that day, he actually, in a sense, has a heart attack. And what happens is he later said his spirit left his body. So his spirit slipped out of his body and he found himself sitting against the ceiling, looking down at the nurses and the doctors trying to resuscitate him. They shocked him and his spirit came back. Now, my, my grandfather mocked Christianity and the existence of God um, until that day. <laughs> you see, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And a man with an argument is one experience away from changing his argument. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to share with you some more stories of what God has done so you can see the reality of God. So we um, went to Shofar Wellington uh, middle last year, and I was, I was actually sick, but we did a healing service the Sunday morning. But I, I know it was, it was an incredible, incredible morning. I had one desire only. I wanted to glorify Jesus Christ. It's weird. It's like I went into the zone. God, I want to glorify your name today. I want everybody to know that you are God. You are powerful. You are healer. You are deliverer. You are savior. I want no one to see me, God. I just want your name to be glorified. It's like I had this, this bold faith in him. I just, God, I want to glorify you. And so I preached about healing. And at the end of the service, um, we had three very, very, very powerful, very significant healings. Um, the one lady, 17 years of back problems, well, she was healed. She could touch her toes, praise God. The other guy, we prayed for 25 years. He was deaf in the one ear, and Jesus touched him, and he heard for the first time in 25 years. Hallelujah. But the third one was, for me, the, the, the incredible, incredible one. So it was a lady, I think 25 years old. She, when she was born, she had uh, uh, problems at birth with the, with the Caesar, whatever was happening, and her hips were injured. So she couldn't walk normally. She couldn't run. She couldn't walk normally upstairs. Her, both her hips were misformed. And, she, and, and, and Sonica, my anointed, very anointed wife, she had a word. She felt like God wants to heal hips today. And I, so I called it out. I said, God wanted to heal hips. Who's got hip problems or hip, right hip? Any problems? And she was sitting there. I mean, this is from birth. And she was like, God doesn't want to heal me. It's not going to happen. So she didn't come forward for prayer. And I think Kerry or somebody, one of our team members, was praying with her about something else. And then she said she was sitting on this chair. And the next moment, she felt her knees begin to vibrate. And then she felt somebody hugging her from behind. But there was nobody. And then her hips moved into place and she was completely healed. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, give Jesus praise for that. So I don't know if there was an angel or there was the Holy Spirit. I don't know how these things work. All I know is God is real. 
And he wants to remove the unbelief from our hearts. That unbelief, God doesn't want to heal me. I promise you he wants to heal you. Jesus healed everybody that came to him. Everybody that asked, he healed them. Show me the scripture where Jesus didn't heal. The only place it didn't work was in his own hometown where they like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Unbelief is the only obstacle to the power of God to flood in, to set us free on whatever level, physically, emotionally, spiritually. He wants to. Amen. Come on, let's say it. I believe. (laughs) You know, so we see this in the scriptures, incredible God encounters. You know, maybe you could be, maybe you like Peter, the apostle Peter before he met Jesus. You know, he was a fisherman. I think he probably lived a very ordinary life. He he probably had a few beers with the boys, probably had too many every now and again. You know, he was probably just trying to survive, to make ends meet, to get some food on the table. He, he, he probably wasn't seeking God, going through life, until Jesus got into his boat. And then Jesus said to him, Peter, throw the net on the other side. And Peter's like... <coughs> We've, we tried all night, Lord, there's no fish. That's what I feel. There are no fish in the rivers because I never catch anything. There are, there's no fish. And then he said, okay, okay, fine, I'll do it. He, he threw it in the other side. And then Jesus did a miracle and the nets overflowed. Both boats overflowed. A mighty miracle that spoke to Peter that Jesus is more than just a rabbi. And he fell to his knees and he cried, Lord, I'm a sinner, leave me. The miracle unlocked his heart and rocked his world. Or maybe some of us are like the apostle Paul when he was Saul. You know, Saul was a man, a religious man. And he was on a mission to expose the fakes, these false Christians who are not really following God. He fought with them. He, he, he threw them in jail. He persecuted. He beat them. He despised them. And he felt that God is calling him to do this. Until he was on his donkey on his way to Damascus. And then Jesus appeared and he clapped him. And he said basically, Saul, welcome to the kingdom. <laughs> He had this incredible God encounter. He was persecuting the real believers until he had a God encounter. Do you know how many believers there are that persecute Christians who believe in the supernatural? Who fight with those who believe that God is still powerful as if you want to prove that God is dead. That offends me. Paul came and he preached the gospel of signs and wonders because he wanted to demonstrate the kingdom so the people's faith would be in God and not in man. But how's it in most churches? Phone the pastor. There's a crisis, come pray. I'm like, no, Jesus is in you. Amen. God wants to work through you. But you need to believe it. This is the shift you need to make from uh, other people are powerful, I'm not. No, no, no. Jesus lives in you if you committed your life to Christ. He lives in you. Amen. Or maybe some of us this morning, you know, you've, you have been on fire for God, but you've lost the fire. I'm trusting this morning something would stir on the inside of you to pursue God passionately again. So I want to take you to a, a scripture, a passage that, it, that, that, that just so reveals these realities, the kingdom of God, and yet where there are unbelief and 
things like that. So Luke 5, 17. Now Jesus had been healing many people and uh, doing mighty miracles. And the religious crowd was checking him out. And it says in verse 17, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And it's, it's powerful. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Come on, say the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord was present to heal them, but none of them got healed. Somebody else got healed. They didn't get healed. The power of God was present, but because of the way they came, because of the wrong teaching and the wrong understanding and the unbelief in their hearts, they could not receive from Jesus. And there are so many people like that. I have learned when faith is in the house, the kingdom comes. When faith, that's the defining factor. When faith is a faith in Jesus, when faith is in the house, the kingdom comes. Praise be to God. And so they came for a teaching, but Jesus wanted to give them the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to just share, I hope you guys don't mind, Rick and Luz, I want to share their story. They are missionaries from America. And uh, so uh, Rick has a theological degree, Southern Baptist theological degree. And uh, so they came to South Africa. And as I understand it, they were a little bit afraid of the things of the Spirit. Now, if you've been, I love Baptists, eh? word people, word people, but often they lack spirit. Not, not all of them, but sometimes lack the power of the Spirit and sometimes actually afraid of the things of the Spirit. So it was the first Sunday of November 2017. They came to church, I think, in connection with their daughter and, and the youth. And so they came to church, and I was here in the front. I didn't know about them. I was here in front of the church, and we we're worshiping. And at some point, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, sing in tongues. I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to freak out all the visitors today, <laughs> especially the Baptists. <laughs> oh. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to obey the Lord. So here we go. So I took the microphone, and the band was playing, and I was like, Battling to find my note. I'm like, something feels different today. Band continues at some point. Then I sang in tongues. And then someone came and they gave the interpretation. The interpretation was basically about God's love for his children. I also had the word felt like God is saying he loves his children. So anyway, so what, two weeks later, I, I had a chat to Rick with coffee and he shared with me because they originally come from South America. So they understand Spanish. Praise God. So then he said, do you know that you sang in Spanish? That morning, I'm like, no, I didn't know, <laughs> but you have made my week. <laughs> so I sang in Spanish and they understand Spanish and I'm just blown away by God's love because he was saying, I love their hearts. I love that they are wanting to come all the way to South Africa to come and serve the people and, and give their lives for the kingdom. And I want to help you understand that the things of the spirit, it's still for today. Amen. And your lives have been radically transformed since then. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. You, you see, one encounter changes the argument. Even this last week, I have spoken in multiple languages that I don't know. 
It was so beautiful at uh, at Cambridge location, the one I was praying be- just before the service, and and I I was praying in the spirit, uh, a prayer language that you don't understand. But the one word just was highlighted the whole time. I said Tandeka, Tandeka, Tandeka. I'm like, Lord, what does it mean? I Google Translate, and it means beloved. And the Lord said to me, these are my beloved people. Ah, oh, it was so precious. You see, God speaks in ways that we don't always understand, but he is real. Go read the scriptures. There are a whole lot of weird things happening in the Bible. Whole lot of weird things. Why must God condescend to our intellects when he is way beyond anything we can imagine? He can do whatever he wants to do in whatever way he wants to do it. But we have our little boxes. No. Break out. I see that, that, that word that Lynn had about the, the prison. That is our unbelief. That is our lack of faith that God wants to touch us and he wants to move powerfully through us. Amen. So come on, let's break out of those things. You see, every, every word, every miracle, it's a sign that points to Jesus. That he is the savior. Let's look at the next bit. Verse 18. Then behold. Remember now the power of God was present. But they were not receiving. Then behold men brought on a bed. A man who was paralyzed. Whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in. Because the crowd that went up on the housetop. And led him down with his bed through the tiling. Into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, come on, say faith. When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Isn't that beautiful? So there were a bunch of people that didn't want to receive Jesus for who he really is. And there were other guys that said, man, we must just get our friend to Jesus. We must say they got onto the top of the, the house and they broke open the, the roof or whatever, or the, and, the, and they brought him down. And, says, and when Jesus saw their faith, then he said. You see, when Jesus sees faith, he moves. When he sees childlike faith, he moves. You know? So uh, you should know the story, but I, I felt I need to share this again. So we have a guy in church. His name is Aviwe. So he was in Selborne College, grew up there, 27 years old, about three years ago. And uh, we had the church there in Southernwood. So one evening service, I'm like roaming, like pastors do. (laughs) And he didn't want to be there. His girlfriend brought him to church. Praise God for good girlfriends. Amen. So he didn't want to be there. He was like, no one wanted to speak to the pastor. He was, he, he was an atheist. Did not believe in God. His friends did not believe in God. So I got his number. We had a coffee date at the Mug and Bean. And for about two hours, I talk, spoke to him about Jesus from every angle I could. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Next Sunday, um, I share about real men commit their lives to Jesus. Because that's the truth. But I think I, I, I struck a chord there with him. Yeah, I'm a real man. I'm a real man. <laughs> so <laughs> he came forward and uh, he committed his life to the Lord and prayed with him. The next week I went to his house near Mdansane. And as I walked into the house, I uh, shook his hand. He said to me, Pastor, I prayed your little prayer. 
but the lights haven't come on yet. I said, that's okay, it's okay. Let me talk to you about, you know, I spoke to him about salvation, about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I realized, man, I need to go. I'm late, but I'm going to quickly pray for you. So I said, okay, Aviwe, open your hands, just stand. And then I prayed for him, that the Holy Spirit would come and touch him. So now he says this to me later. So he says, while he was standing with his eyes closed, he sees a light coming closer and then going further away. And he's like, why is the pastor shining a flashlight in my eyes? I had no flashlights, I promise. So now the light's coming and going, and I'm just praying, God, touch him, let your kingdom come, baptize him in your Holy Spirit. And the next moment, this light comes into him. Now, all I am seeing, I'm just looking at him, and suddenly, he like, he shouts, like, ah, type of vibe, but he's like, ah, you know, he, like, he, he, he had a big skrik, a scare, and, and, and he goes down into his seat, and, and, and he's looking down and he, and he shakes like this and the tears are just running down his face. And all he said over and over again was, it's real. It's real. It's real. Hallelujah. Praise God. The atheist one encounter later is completely backslidden and now a believer. Amen. God is real. And he wants you to encounter his fullness. You see, he said to me, Pastor, the lights haven't come on yet. And then Jesus says, well, I am the light. Let me show you. Let the lights come on. God knows for every one of us what we need. He, he, he specializes. He, he speaks each one of us. He speaks our language. God is real. Come on, let's say God is real. I want to stir your faith. So these guys, they went onto the house, house top. And I believe in the same way you and I, how desperate for every believer in the house, how desperate are we to see those who do not know Jesus come to faith? Are we going onto the house tops? Are we like praying and seeking and trusting? Are we willing to make a little bit of effort so that they can encounter what we have encountered? I mean, do we have any idea what we have? We have eternal life. We have peace and joy. We have found uh, identity and purpose and destiny in Christ. He, he rocked our worlds. You know, some people don't understand mercy and grace. You know, what is mercy? God has given us mercy. You're driving in your car. Traffic officer pulls you over. You're in trouble. You broke the law. It's like a 10,000 rand fine. You are in trouble. What is mercy? Traffic officer says to you, it's okay, you don't need to pay. Mercy. Jesus given us mercy. We, we deserve punishment for our rebellion and our, and our, and our, and our, and our fight against God and living our own. We deserve, every one of us deserve eternal damnation. We do. But He gave us mercy and He forgives us. All our stuff. Blood of Jesus. Glory. But what is grace? Grace is when the same scenario Traffic cop pulls you over. You were speeding. You're in trouble. Sorry, officer. Sorry. I won't do it again. And he says, no, but I've, I've got this, this Jesus police officer. <laughs> and he says, man, I'm not only going to cancel your, your, your 10,000 rand fine. Man, I'm going to give you 10,000 rand. Yay. Let's speed. No, 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 no. That's not the message. But that's exactly what God has done to us. We were sinners. We were in rebellion against God. We were doing our own thing. We were, we were like a stuff you. 
the one who gave us life and breath in our lungs. And then yet when we turn to him, he, he washes us clean. He forgives us all our sins. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit. And he gives us power to see other lives changed. That's like getting 10,000 rand. Just more. 10 million. More than 10 million. That is grace. Grace is God doesn't look at our past. He forgives our past. And then he gives us what we do not deserve. Partnership with him. Amen. Come on, say this is good news. This is good news. And so these guys brought the man to Jesus. And he says, man, your sins are forgiven you. Then verse 21 And he says, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, they didn't know what was going on here. So they're reasoning. They're like, I don't understand what's going on. I have no grid for what's happening here. This must be of the devil. (laughs) That's normally what people do when they don't understand. We don't understand it, so we fear it. And then we judge it. Because we we, we don't understand and that's what they did with Jesus. This is blasphemy. And then they had to crucify him. You see, the thing is, so, so often I speak to people. And they say, I will believe it when I see it. But that's false. No. You first believe it, then you'll see it. Faith gives us eyes to see. Amen. So I, I shared this message at Stellenbosch University at, at the church there. There was like 800 students that night. The whole skeptic society came to church that night because it's a healing service. They came to expose the false prophet. (laughs) It was a very uncomfortable night to be an atheist. (laughs) We actually had one guy, an atheist skeptic who's been persecuting Christians at the end of the service. On the altar call, he stormed to the front and he said, if it is true, pray for me now. I want to know. If God is real. It was beautiful. Prayed with him. Loved the guy. It was wonderful. But sincere seekers will find God. Amen. So believe first. That it's a sign of humility. It's of childlike trust. It's like God. I am going to trust you. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust the stories. Of your kingdom invading lives. And then the last few verses. Verses 22 to 26. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? And I was, guys, you're not going to figure this out. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Welcome to the kingdom. You're going to see strange things. I don't know why people sometimes fall to the floor, but what I do know is sometimes when they fall, they get up healed. They get upset free. They get up changed. So I'm going with what I see in the Bible and what I see God is doing. I'm not going to try and figure it out. But I try to figure out. I see, I see like a wave of the Holy Spirit that crashes into somebody. Go stand in the, on the beach. Go stand in the waves. Big waves crash, fall. 
Yes, exactly like that. It's just you don't see the wave. Amen. That's my way of trying to figure out how this works. Last year, April, we had a, a, a guy here. His name is Johan. He's a medical doctor. So he came in the evening service in a wheelchair. Uh, he could stand with crutches, but he had almost no feeling in his toes. He was in a bus accident, broke his back, went to the doctors just before that Sunday. They said that he, he would need more operations. So, and man, I'm when I see a wheelchair, we have to pray. Amen. So, so we prayed with Johan and God touched him. He, he couldn't stand without crutches. He couldn't walk up the stairs without crutches. Jesus touched him in that service, April last year. He got feeling back in his toes and he walked up these stairs without crutches. He had no more pain on his back. Feeling was back in his toes. And at the end of the night, he pushed his wheelchair out the door. Hallelujah. Now that feels like church. Well, for a very small percentage of this country. But, uh, but that was church for Jesus. That is what, what happens when Jesus is in the house. He went back to the doctors. They said to him, you only need a little bit of physio, but you don't need more operations. Amen. Praise be to God. Jesus heals. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the answer. But so often we don't position ourselves in a place where God can touch us. And the Lord is wanting to, 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 to set lives free. So I shared this on the video, but it's just such a beautiful story. I just love the, you know, and I think I shared it last week as well, but it just opens a new dimension to me. So this lady, no, hello. So we prayed for a lady at, uh, at the Cambridge, last story. Prayed for the lady at, at Cambridge location, an aunt. And I didn't have faith because she said, Pray for my two family members in King Williamstown. I'm like, ah, I'm going to do my pastoral thing, you know. Bless you. We're not expecting anything to happen. But I, I, I prayed blessing. That same night, those two ladies, was, they were healed. She phoned them. They were healed. But I was still like, eesh, are you sure? Because I'm not, I'm not trying to make stuff, stuff. I want to know, is it real? And then uh, the Friday night, this lady, no, all came. And she shared three months of intestinal pains, and she was healed that same night. Doctors didn't know what was wrong. But the most beautiful thing ever was when she responded, and she came forward, and she said, I want to give my life to Jesus. First time ever she's committed. She drove all the way from King Williamstown because God touched her. Why? To get her attention, to show her, I love you. Now come and surrender your life to me. You see, in the same way, God wants to get your attention and my attention. And the reason I'm sharing these stories is so that your faith would be stirred and say, God is real. He wants to touch my life. And if he is real, what what are the implications of that, his reality? The implications are as follows. That means we need to bow our knees before the king of glory. He is the great God over all the earth. There is no one like him. The greatest miracle this world can ever see is one soul that turns to Christ and God transforms them from the inside out. They become new people. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.